Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap the events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. What was once a popular annual event in Peoria is officially no more. After saying back in February they had a way to bring the Central Illinois Auto Show back over the next two years, the Peoria Metro New Car Dealers Association has changed its mind. It's been canceled the last several years, first due to COVID-19, but as the years went on, there became an additional reason. I talked about it with Shearer Mazda and Shearer Volvo owner Jimmy Shearer, the current president of the Peoria Metro New Car Dealers Association. From the beginning, we always had the manufacturer involvement um, uh, with with their skill level and their display and, and financially as well. And uh, I, it's gotten down to about half involvement over the years. Uh, for instance, uh, myself, I have two stores, Volvo and Mazda. I paid for our own involvement directly. I, I staffed it. I bought the signs, all that stuff. Where other manufacturers, they would come in from Detroit or, or wherever, you know, California, wherever their headquarters is, and they would take it over all themselves. Um, and since then, uh, from COVID, from supply, the manufacturers have backed out and said it's just not their priority anymore. So uh, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars that they're not contributing anymore. So that creates another level of, uh, decision making. Um, some of these manufacturers have many franchises in the area from different owners, and then we had that complication. And at the end of the day, what what you would see isn't anywhere near what we have had. So it just came down to a natural conclusion. Right now, we're just not given the opportunity to do it, or at least, at the very least have the Peoria Metro New Car Dealer Association do it right. I wonder why some of that is on the uh, the manufacturer side, because uh, there are still, you know, auto shows. There's obviously the big one in Chicago and in Detroit and in some of the bigger cities. Are they just focusing on bigger cities and, for lack of a better way of putting it, just don't care about as much about the smaller towns? Uh, well, that's how I feel sometimes, yes. <laughs> um, but as far as auto shows in general, they've... they've um, They've taken out a lot of even bigger cities. Um, you know, I, I'd say we just we had an exceptional auto show for our size. Um, but you, you do hear I'm involved with my manufacturer from a kind of a, a, a advisory board level, and they've they've left several cities. I don't want to say them, but there's there's fewer auto shows going on today than ever before, at least in my lifetime. Yeah, for sure. So um, in terms of what you said at the beginning about, uh, you know, shortages in vehicles and things like that, are you are you still seeing that from a from a dealership standpoint? Is it still a bit of a struggle to get inventory into your lots? And I imagine that's the case with some of your competitors, too. I'm looking out of my lot right now along across the street. Yes, we we have a, a probably a third of the supply of what we had before COVID um, and and sometimes not even that. It's, uh, uh, it, it's a matter, the demand is still strong, not as strong, uh, but the, and, and, and inventory has built up, but there's different problems with that. Sometimes we, we have the, the chip available and, and there's plenty of chips out there, but for some reason there's a shortage of labor or now recently we've had more logistics problem. Bottom line is I'm still very short on supply. Uh, but better than I was two years ago. Sounds to me like you're saying if it's not one problem, it's another now, right? Yeah, yeah. We're we're waiting longer uh, for everything. Uh, for we're waiting longer for cars. We're waiting longer for parts. Um, it's it's weird in a world of now 
uh, it feels like we're, <laughs> we're operating 50 years ago sometimes, but everything, um, you know, people are still getting what they want. I, I feel they get a great value when they leave the lot. Uh, so it's just, it's just different. I was going to say, I imagine that, uh, things probably are still not as bad as they could be given, uh, that we're, you know, three years or so past the beginning of COVID now, I imagine. I'm super pleased from, uh, the demand. There's still a pretty solid demand in, in, in our neck of the woods and, and so, but pretty much across the United States. Um, we have people coming in every day that want to buy a vehicle. Um, I'm very fortunate that we have vehicles to sell. So um, there's no complaints here. Again, it's just different. Um, in terms of uh, used car inventory, is that still a problem? Or I, I've heard reports where that's gotten a little bit better, I think, at least in terms of inventory and price and that sort of thing. It has. Personally, I'm always prepared for a roller coaster. I mean, from a big picture perspective, if there's less vehicles sold from new, that's where the, that's where the water comes from the well or whatever you call it. I mean, that's when it all starts. So you have to sell a new in order to have a used. So if there's less new being sold, there's less used being manufactured. <laughs> so um, right now it's eased up from a year ago, just like new car inventory, uh, except you know, we're always prepared. Cars have a, have a shelf life. And when it goes through that, when, when, there's, when they're selling less new, we're, sooner or later there's going to be a, a used car crunch again. Right now it seems to be okay. Let me have you. Let me go back and ask about the the auto show situation again. Here, are there outside of having not be not being able to have a show and and kind of probably not doing that for the foreseeable future? Uh, are there alternatives? Are there other things that you can do instead? Maybe to maybe to whet the appetite, if you will, of car buyers, or or is that something you've discussed? Well, it's a great question. Um, what what we did was vote on the current setup that we've had for the last 30 years. It, it's hard to revisit a year and year, year after year, and we decided to put an end to it for now. Um, that does not mean that we can't evolve on our, uh, um, with, with whatever we do next. And, and we still have the association. It's Pure Metro New Car Dealer Association. We still have the association. The executive board meets once a month. We have a handful of meetings. We all meet together and discuss uh, what's best for uh, what's best for our community um, from the automotive perspective. And who knows? I mean, I know that the auto show the auto show was non-selling. Um, the auto show you didn't start up the cars. Maybe we can have something more interactive in the future. So uh, I don't know. Stay tuned. <laughs> there you go. Uh, any other thoughts uh, in terms of the association as you kind of move forward here um, and into a post-auto show life, I guess, if you will? We are keeping the association. Um, our dues increase because we don't have the big show anymore uh, to, to stay alive. So, um, uh, But our, our association is, is, is being maintained. The, um, uh, we have a charity dinner so that we uh, can raise some money for a local charity. Uh, this year we gave to the Friendship House, and it was a great event. Raised about eighteen, seventeen, $18,000 for that. So, um, uh, but that was our first real event outside of the auto show. So it's, we're a little bit reborn, and we've got to figure it out. Reborn, but it sounds like you're just as strong as you can be, given the circumstances. Well, I appreciate it. It's, um, 
the automotive business has been very good uh, to Central Illinois dealers, as have our customers in our community. So uh, at the end of the day, we just want to find fun and uh, fun ways and uh, to give back. The only outside thing is it really it's not a matter of affordability. It's not a matter of yeah. we don't have the budget. It's a matter of it really prioritizing it kind of dissolved. And if we're going to do it, we want it done right. And we can't do that without the manufacturer. Yeah, I was, gonna, right I was just going to say that's something this this ultimately wasn't really up to you. You kind of your hand, your hands were tied in this. Yes, it started with it started with COVID. Then it was supply. And then the manufacturer said, you know, what, I don't know that we need this anyway. It's very costly for them, too. It's a few yeah. hundred thousand dollars show. Jimmy Shearer, president of the Peoria Metro New Car Dealers Association. More week in review coming up. Like it or not, COVID-19 is still a public health concern. And as of Friday, while the Illinois Department of Public Health says transmission of the virus in the state is still quite low, they're monitoring an uptick in cases statewide. There had been talk of a potential rise in COVID cases countrywide as the summer winds down and as there's another new variant making its way around. Earlier this week, WMBD's Greg Batten and Dan DiOrio got an update from Dr. Doug Casper with OSF Healthcare and the University of Illinois College of Medicine. So we got a couple of things going on. There's a variant that's popped up in four countries, us being one of them, the United States being one of them, uh, that is got a whole bunch of new things from the previous variant. Well, uh, I think it's related to the Omicron variant or an extension of that. And it's making, uh, we're, we're seeing some people, at least I anecdotally have more friends of mine that have been sick lately. What's going on from your side of things? Yeah, there's there's more COVID activity. There's more people becoming ill. We're seeing a little bit more COVID in the hospitals, which is still far less than what we saw during peak periods over the last few years. But we had really bottomed out in June and July with you know, almost close to zero uh, COVID activity in the hospitals. And so we're seeing a little bit more. But again, Nothing that was as severe as anything we saw during during peak periods. Is there any concern that that? Um, okay, let me start this again. Should a person who is okay with vaccines, if that's you know they've already done all that, should they be looking into a new vaccine? Is there a new one for this one, or what? Where are we with those kind of decisions? Yeah, it's the conversation's a little different all of a sudden. The reason is, is we're heading into the fall, and we're going to hear about COVID activity, but we're also going to hear about RSV and influenza activity, which are, are seasonal, something that we're pretty comfortable talking about in fall periods. And so, however, our, our toolbox for all of these three has really increased this year. And so there'll be a refined uh, COVID vaccine that will come from both Pfizer and Moderna. It is a been announced officially when it'll be released, but it's an updated off of an Omicron strain, and so that'll be one uh, option available. There'll be the seasonal influenza vaccine, which will also come available sometime in September through the fall. And then now we've had the emergence of an RSV vaccine. And so where these are all going to cross is that the symptoms when somebody gets sick between all three viruses are very similar. Sure. And as we've dramatically decreased our, our testing, we're not really publicly testing for COVID. You can still obtain at-home tests from uh, commercial pharmacies, but really there aren't public testing centers anymore. And so uh, the individual will be left with deciding, uh, you know, how aggressive they would like to be with their own care. And 
there's going to be three really good vaccine options for all three of these viral infections, and there also are some treatment options. And so even further improving this is that the FDA announced the approval of RSV vaccine for third trimester pregnant women uh, to help protect newborn babies over this period. And so it's a really expanded arsenal wow. as we get into our, our, our fall season. Let me, uh, let me ask a dumb guy question. Do I, if I am a person that is so predisposed to want to make sure I'm completely protected, do you take all three of those? Yeah, you do. And so there's, there are some nuances. With the RSV vaccine, it's currently only approved for adults 60 and older. Okay. So that would be a population. Uh, influenza vaccine is approved through all age groups. And some years they actually authorize a nasal spray if some people are, are hesitant to receive a vaccine. They can, that may or may not be on the market for this year. And then the COVID vaccine will be refined. And so... Rather than kind of hashing out all the details after somebody gets sick and trying to figure out which one you test for and if there are treatments that are available for influenza and for COVID, the, uh, another approach would be to just be vaccinated for all three of them prior to the onset of the season, which would give you the maximal chance to, to avoid uh, significant infection. Can you do all those on the same day or do you have to spread them out? You- yeah, you can. I mean, most most people don't like to receive multiple shots at the same time. And so uh, now right now, the updated COVID vaccine is not available. It hasn't been quite announced when it will be. The influenza vaccines will start to roll out once we get past Labor Day. And the RSV vaccine does exist for uh, adults 60 and older, but the approval for pregnant women hasn't, um, that hasn't allowed it to be used uh, yet. Okay. So some of these are coming and there'll be some sort of time lag before they're fully available for someone who still has reoccurring symptoms from originally having covid and they might suspect they have long covid is there a test for that yeah so long covid is really specific to the the symptoms the person is having Uh, many people report neurologic symptoms some have cardiopulmonary symptoms like physical fitness decline. And so the testing and the evaluation would be based off of the symptoms the person is having. And so there, you know, there are, are general tests that are markers of inflammation in the body that can be done to track you know, relative amounts of inflammation and see if that can be brought down. But there isn't a, a specific test that looks at like a catch-all for somebody that's had COVID. It is a good point to bring up that Individuals that have had issues, prolonged issues with COVID infection in the past should strongly consider vaccine, um, especially if they're not going to be able to tell when they get ill if it's COVID or flu or mm-hmm. RSV, that you would want to try to act before you got to that point to have vaccine. Yeah, that's, it's very confusing, not confusing, maybe more frustrating for me in particular. I, I had a bout of COVID uh, a couple years ago or whatever it was. And, and I sometimes have things I think about that. Am I, am I imagining it? Am I, am I really having these issues? And I have yet, in fact, ironically, and I'll just full disclosure, I have a meeting tomorrow with my primary care physician. I'm going to bring some stuff up because I wonder because it, the, the list that you've mentioned, uh, cardio uh, issues, blood clots, diabetes, neurological complications, fatigue is another one, difficulties with mental health, focusing and things like that. If that is it, but but there's it's frustrating to me that there's not one test, and so the doctor's on a on a on a game. He's a, he's on a hunt, right, to try to figure it out. 
that's how that will go, right? If you say, hey, Doc, I think I'm, maybe something's up. Yeah, I, you're, I think you described it well. And then I also think when you put it in a time period where everybody's just getting more sick with seasonal infections, yeah. that it becomes a different variable of trying to parse out what what's happening here. And at a, at a regional level or population level, it just it doesn't the testing doesn't work that quickly and so the protection part of it becomes the key is you try to prevent people from getting sick so that the, the maximal number don't have to you know, access care or go to the hospital whatever the outcome is all right it's good to talk to you dr doug casper let me just ask you one simple question is your life back to normal uh, we're back to the academic part of medicine, which I definitely enjoy. Teaching all right. and all that part. Well, we appreciate that. University of Illinois College of Medicine here in Peoria is Dr. Doug Casper. Good to talk to you, Doug. More Week in Review coming up. Money in the state budget will help bring a dedicated outdoor roller skating area to Peoria, one that's already got some criticism for being a waste of money, but one that the Peoria Park District firmly stands behind. The $4 million for the Lakeview Park project is one that was made possible through State Representative Jahan Gordon Booth. Peoria Park District Executive Director Emily Cahill. In our Park District, we have worked a lot over the last several years to build out flexible spaces and places that have multiple functions to support multiple activities. We've had conversations with our board and our community on multiple occasions, and so when we were asked to think about how to incorporate roller skating into one of our parks, our expert staff took the same approach of flexibility that has been applied to our plans for Glen Park and to the improvements in Treewind and other locations to the same vision. As you can see in the boards behind Trusty Reagan Hill, our plan is to build a skating loop here just outside these doors. Placing a loop here, rather than putting in a large rectangle of concrete, means that our skating loop can welcome skaters, it can serve as the backdrop for public art, and it can host gatherings of people for a concert or other social gathering. It also allows for water runoff and absorption rather than adding to impermeable surfaces that can cause erosion or other negative or ice skating as a future activity. Adjacent to the skating loop, the district is working to bring a splash pad and outdoor restroom to the park sometime next year. Together, these two amenities will attract many families in our region for an afternoon of fun. If it's this hot, it could be a morning of fun. We are grateful to the Illinois natural resources for their financial support of the splash pad part of our reimagination effort. We also look forward to significant improvements to Owens Ice Center over the next three to five years as part of our work to meet new standards for ice plant refrigeration and to reimagine locker rooms and visitor amenities that match the modern ice plant to be added. As President Johnson shared at the outset, everything that we do at the district comes from a foundational commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility. We look forward to supporting our entire community with this project, which alone checks so many mission-driven boxes for our work. And we're not finished. Because of Speaker Pro Tem Gordon Booth's generous support of our district's work, we are able to also share that, in addition to the skating loop, with her help, we will be able to add accessible paths in Donovan Park that will open up opportunities for those with physical challenges to access more parts of the park. We are working on a plan for now that honor the natural feel of the park while also making sure that everyone can get to community gems like our observatory, our fishing ponds, and the Donovan Sculpture Walk. As this plan becomes more finalized, we look forward to celebrating with, this, with it, celebrating it with Speaker Pro Tem and the community in more detail. 
With this scope of impact in mind, I am honored to be able to hand the microphone over now to Speaker Pro Tem Jahan Gordon Booth so she can share what today means to her. Thank you so much for being here today and welcome to Virgo season. Right. <laughs> today is, if you did not know, August 23rd is the beginning of Virgo season. And uh, I think I shared with many of you, some of you were here, some of you were with us uh, last year on August 23rd. Uh, which happens to be my birthday, the beginning of Virgo season, I made a commitment uh, during the pandemic that I wanted to work with folks who had a commitment to transformational concepts within this community that would make Peoria even more livable and more fun than it already is. And I can't thank um, President Johnson and Executive Director Cahill and her entire team and staff. They're over there. They are the real... I shared before and I'll share it again. I oftentimes will call Emily very early in the morning, not five, but around six-ish. Sometimes I call her or text her. <laughs> She's like, well, I don't know. I'll call her or text her late at night with an idea and a concept. Because one of the things that I love doing is I love dreaming about Peoria. I love dreaming of the things that we have that we can make greater but also the things that we don't have that would be a great fit for families in this community. And one of those dreams, I know a lot of us, you know, got into baking bread during the pandemic or working out. I didn't do either of those things. What I did was I thought about what Peoria would look like when it opened back up. What are the things that we could make possible for this community that we didn't have that would be so much fun? Last year, we rolled out the Top Golf Life facility and the team here at the Park District has done a phenomenal job of putting that strategy together, working with the Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. And this is yet another iteration of what it means for us to dream about yet another amenity that we currently don't have in Peoria, but one that is so amazing that you typically would only see in a very large metropolitan area, but we will have this skating loop as our own. It's something that we can be so very proud of. Um, there is a, an organization here uh, present today. It's the P-Town Skate Production Crew. They actually were a part of uh, that inspiration during the pandemic. If we, you know, most folks were on some form of social media. And I remember seeing this team and this crew of folks that were so committed in their love of skating. They would go to the riverfront just to have a flat surface and they would skate. And I don't know about you, but there is nothing more beautiful than to see someone who knows what they are doing on those skates. It's a beautiful sight to see. And I'm just so excited and proud that here in Peoria, uh, we're gonna have that again. We're gonna have the opportunity to be able to bring families together because uh, Mr. Alonzo Brown, I hope you don't mind me sharing your age, Mr. Alonzo Brown is one of the OG skaters in Peoria. Mr. Alonzo Brown is 70 years old, and he is still like butter on those skates. Skating has no age. My daughter is a, she is newfound to the love of skating for the last 50 to 60 days, and every age in between can enjoy the outdoor space that will be here at the park district. They will be able to enjoy that love of skating that the Peak Town Skate Productions has so deeply in them. Uh, or just individuals who just wanna tip, put their toe in, like myself, who I'm not uh, an accomplished skater, but when we get this skate loop, I am going to get out there uh, and have a good time. And I think it's, it's important when we think about 
where Peoria is today and where we want Peoria to grow for the future, we have to be thinking about what are those amenities that not just our seniors, uh, excuse me, not just our boomers, but what do Gen Xers want? What do millennials want? What does the Gen Z generation want out of a community? And I believe that there is no entity uh, second to anyone in this community providing those kinds of opportunities, providing access to that level of quality of life and quality of place like the Peoria Park District. I am so proud to partner with them. We do a lot of press conferences together because we do so much good work together on behalf of this community. So I'm just excited that you all decided to come out in this really hot August day to celebrate, which is celebrate what is a wonderful accomplishment um, on behalf of this community. And I was honored to be able to deliver the resources uh, to do it. The roller rink will actually be right out here. The roller loop will be outside of Lakeview so that we're able to use this facility to help to be the, um, really the administrative support of that space. We really want to open up the space where Lakeview Family Aquatic Center is. When you drive in, you don't know that we have a two-sheet ice rink there hidden behind that. And so we really want to open that space up, introduce more green space into the park, a place for families to be able to sit and fellowship while their kids are practicing. And so that is a part of our reimagination plan as well, is to get that space opened up and returned back to a, a, a green space area. Unfortunately, sometimes people just do, they just, they decide to lean into a space of negativity, even when there's something positive that's happening. And that's normal, we all see it. What I do know is this, is I see a very committed effort right now in this community from our um, Peoria police leadership, their apparatus. They are working very closely with the school district because what we're talking about by and large is we're talking about younger kids, right? And it can be difficult um, to deal with some of the issues with juveniles just because of state law and the state law is what it is vis-a-vis -vis the Constitution. And so what I'm saying is gives me great confidence between that um, relationship between, as I stated, the Peoria Police Department, the um, Peoria School District 150, their leadership team, um, the state's attorney's office, um, grassroots organizations, uh, not-for-profits, as well as the hospital systems that are looking to find very real and very specific strategies to dealing with some of our most hard-to-reach young people. Um, oftentimes when we hear some of these stories, it feels like it's just rampant and it's, it's a real, honestly, it's a key group of folks. Um, many of these individuals have been identified, and, it's, and it is at times a couple dozen people. Um, but I believe that Peoria and the kind of community that the kind of community that we have, we have this level, this kind of high level collaboration. Peoria is a big enough city to have big city problems, but we're also small enough that I believe that we can get our hands around it. And the leadership team that I see in place right now is work is working very hard to do just that. So I have faith. Um, in our public safety apparatus, which in my estimation, it's um, our police department as well as our not-for-profit organizations, grassroots organizations, police department, working alongside our um, state attorney's office to ensure that we're identifying individuals um, that need supports, but also at the same time holding people accountable for their behavior as well. Specific to this project, I would tell you that that's one of the reasons when we were approached to think about roller skating, that we looked at an outdoor space as a place to start bringing that back into the community. Uh, it does allow us more flexibility, it allows for more supervision, but 
Um, Speaker Pro Tem Gordon is exactly right. The actions of a few should not limit the experiences of the many. And we feel very strongly that having a wide variety of activities across our different park locations throughout the community is essential to positive activity. State Representative Jahan Gordon Booth and Peoria Park District Executive Director Emily Cahill. More Week in Review coming up. The forecast for the next several days looks much better than the last week did, with an excessive heat warning most of the week. Highs one day reaching close to 100, heat index values close to 120 in some spots. But baseball is a summertime game after all, and that left the Peoria Chiefs ready to take the field in spite of the heat. So how do the Chiefs help fans and players alike beat the heat? I talked about that with the voice of the Chiefs, media relations manager Cody Schindler. The big thing for us is uh, you know, we just want to try to provide uh, as many extra avenues as possible to uh, make sure everybody's cool, everybody's safe, everybody's still enjoying themselves in the heat. Um, we'll have our misters out tonight, uh, which will be stationed down uh, the right field line. Um, you know, good way just to cool off and uh, still be able to keep an eye on the game. Uh, those have been very well received uh, in, in recent uh, weeks, and, and obviously this summer we've had to break those out a handful of times. Um, so that, that's really the big thing. Of course, we encourage folks, um, you know, to, to, to stay hydrated um, before the game. Um, of course, uh, the, the team stores air conditioned, so feel free to swing on in there, uh, try to get out of the heat for a few minutes, and obviously we'll have our concession stands ready to roll all of them uh, open and uh, and ready to uh, to host you water and and soda, and and we'll have. Uh, uh, we'll be able to, to keep you hydrated tonight and uh, keep you moving through those lines quickly. It doesn't sound like attendance has been impacted too much when you have these really hot days like this? Yeah, for the most part, uh, ha- haven't noticed uh, any real difference. Um, feel like folks are, are still coming out and uh, still enjoying the ball game. Uh, I know uh, this weekend we're expecting some big crowds. I know it does cool off uh, as you get towards Friday and Saturday, but... Uh, uh, we've got our, our group spaces sold out on Saturday. We've got our, our field box area sold out on Saturday. So uh, folks are still coming out and uh, still braving the heat. And uh, obviously uh, greatly appreciate uh, uh, all of our fans uh, for sticking it out and uh, and coming out and enjoying a ball game. Uh, we've seen attendance tick up, uh, as has been the case across minor league baseball. And uh, the Chiefs are no exception. And uh, obviously a, a big thanks to our uh, our community and our fans for uh, for coming out and uh, really kind of getting everything back to uh, pre-pandemic levels. You're not uh, gonna. You're not thinking about installing one of those big shower things like the White Sox have up in Chicago, are you? I, I, yeah, I've seen that. Uh, unfortunately, we won't have that, but uh, we'll, we'll have the uh, the misters ready to go, and uh, they'll be stationed down the uh, down the lines at uh, Dozer Park. All right. Uh, in terms of the team, uh, does does heat like this? Uh, you know, obviously, baseball's a summertime game and you kind of, I imagine, just deal with it to a point. But when it gets hot like this, does that, infe- does that affect uh, practice or, or anything like that? And does it, does it affect, uh, affect playing of the game? Yeah, I think in terms of uh, practice and preparation, uh, you know, I don't think either team's getting out on the field this afternoon. Normally, you've got your on-field batting practice, and uh, they'll get some fielding work in. But it looks like both teams are just staying in and kind of relaxing tonight. Uh, they'll get their work in underneath and the, the batting cages and, and all that good stuff. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, I think in terms of the game, once you get there, right, it, it's certainly hot and, you know, not trying to downplay it. And I know uh, on the broadcast we'll talk about it uh, a plenty, but, uh, you know, both teams will, uh, will, will deal with the same weather conditions. So uh, I'm sure uh, both teams, once it gets to game time, they'll, uh, they'll be dealing with it and combating it. And I know our, our uh, training staff and uh, the folks uh, downstairs are, are, are very diligent in, in making sure that, uh Guys are staying hydrated and, and getting their treatment in before the game. I, I was just going to ask about that because uh, I imagine that's probably, speaking as someone who's uh, occasionally taken an unintended nap because of uh, heat-related things, uh, I, I suppose as a player you just kind of uh, have to prepare for it, know what's coming, uh, make sure you have all the Gatorade and stuff, and uh, just kind of hope you get through it, right? Yeah, and the the Cardinal staff that's here in Peoria, they do an incredible job. Uh, you know, the athletic training staff, strength and conditioning, they have a, such a plan in place, and they, they do great work making sure that, that everybody's uh, up to speed and, and ready to go there. So commend those folks for, for, uh, for keeping the guys in, in great shape and, and they're aware. But also, you know, a lot of it, too, uh, you know, guys are um, – so many of the guys are, are from, uh, you know, Texas and California and Florida and, and a lot of the southern states. So uh, it, it's interesting. We'll chat to them sometimes and say, hey, how you feeling? And, oh, you know, we've we've dealt with this growing up, so we're all right. And, of course, uh, some of our players from, from Latin America, um, they deal with the heat as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a big deal and it's a part of it. But, um, you know, a lot of these guys, uh, I know when you talk to them, they would prefer – uh, 95, 100, uh, than the 35s and 40s we might get in April, which uh, uh, sounds pretty nice right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, a lot of, uh, I think uh, a lot of guys, uh, while, yes, they, they, they have to deal with the heat, I think uh, it's preferred to the, uh, the other extreme of uh, extreme cold. And then I imagine you probably have players that almost want to uh, jump in the river and take a swim after the game, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, uh, I always wonder about the, uh, the starting pitchers on a day like today. You know, if you're not, uh, if it's not your turn in the rotation, uh, you know, you're over there and uh, usually you've still got your your sweatshirt on or some sort sort of pullover <laughs> jacket, and uh, I always commend those guys because uh, I know I just I'd be wearing as as little as possible today. I'd wear the jersey top, and I'd I'd call it good. Yeah, I, I was just thinking about that. Is that's probably the the position on the field, right? Where that's the, that probably has the most impact in something like this is is uh, the guy throwing the ball, right? Yeah, I I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, obviously, um, you could try to prepare for it, but until you're in the, the middle of it and uh, that pitch count starts ramping up a little bit and uh, you maybe get a couple runners on base and, and those high-stress pitches start to come into play, yeah, I think the, the heat can definitely play a factor. And, um, you know, I think it's um, – it, you're getting to the stage, too, where at the minor league level where a lot of these pitchers, uh, teams are starting to kind of watch the pitch counts a little closer again and mm. they're getting to August and they've made 20-plus starts, so – um, yeah, I wouldn't be stunned uh, the next couple of days with, between uh, uh, the, the, the pitchers, um, you know, kind of on their pitch counts as they, they creep towards the end of the season and you throw in the heat. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe uh, a starter instead of throwing 90 pitches, maybe they're 75 to 80 tonight. And, um, yeah, I think the heat could certainly play a role in that because um, uh, obviously those guys are, are putting in a lot of effort uh, and a lot of repeated effort. And I know we're – We'll get started at 6.30, but, uh, yeah, it's still going to be uh, 100-plus uh, yeah. heat index. So uh, it, it'll definitely play a role. 
I'm uh, directionally challenged. So do the do like the uh, the outfielders or, the, or even the infielders have to deal with the sun shining at them at this time, or is that not a problem? Yeah, usually the first couple innings for a night game, uh, the sun will still kind of peak up uh, over the, uh, the the third base side. Um, so you'll get um, you know moving left to right across the uh, infield and outfield, the the shade will start to move in. Um, but yeah, for the first couple innings, uh, the outfielders uh, certainly will—they'll uh, have the sunglasses on and they'll—they'll they'll be trying to uh, combat the sun as well. But uh, usually, about uh, uh, third, fourth inning, uh, sun kind of starts to dip down, the shadows creep in. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, uh, we can get there uh, rather quickly, and, yeah. and maybe the the uh, sunset can take a little heat off. But uh, again, our, our fans have been great and. Uh, you know, really the, the big thing for us is uh, we're trying to take all the precautions uh, w- with those misters especially, and uh, the feedback's been uh, been great um, this year. You know, we've rolled them out in the past, but we've just been more intentional about it and uh, more regular in uh, uh, how often we put those out to our fans. Oh, sure, sure. Um, tomorrow, I think, is the day the high was supposed to be near uh, 100. Have you ever had to cancel a game because of heat or... Or is that usually uh, not something that happens unless it's, like, Arizona oppressive, I guess? Yeah, yeah we, we haven't had that in quite some time. I know um, we had the one cancellation this year due to air quality from oh, the right. uh, Canadian wildfire. So if the AQI uh, were to get uh, to a certain number, um, I think it's, it's 100. It's certainly... Uh, in the hundreds, so I, I don't think we'll get there. But yeah, if uh, uh, for whatever reason the, the heat and humidity uh, ran the AQI up there to those uh, really high and uncomfortable numbers, and we had an air quality alert, then certainly yeah, we could uh, take that into consideration and, and cancel a ball game. But I don't foresee that happening this week. But um, yeah, we've uh, we, we had a situation this year uh, with the uh, the high AQIs. Uh, yeah. We had a postponement that we we didn't anticipate. So is it possible? It's certainly possible, um, but I wouldn't wouldn't expect it this time. Peoria Chiefs Media Relations Manager Cody Schindler. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us at this time next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in Central Illinois. You don't have to wait for Week in Review to get the lowdown on what's happening in Central Illinois. For instant news 24-7, follow us at 1470 WMBD on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and at WMBDradio.com. You can also find the Week in Review podcast at WMBDradio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Stevenson, WMBD Radio News.